Hi guys and welcome back to the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. My name is Kieran Moore and I'm the head coach and owner of Apex Delta Coaching. On this show, my aim is to help educate, inform and drive you to get stronger, fitter and more resilient as an athlete and human. I'll discuss different topics in strength, fitness, mindset and more, as well as talking with guests on their area of expertise. Today I was joined by Angel Guerrero. Angel is a personal trainer and coach who specialises in strength training for runners. He helps runners to perform better and avoid injury through the combination of running alongside strength training. Today we talked about running performance, how to get started and what are some of the key determinants of success in running. We then looked into strength training and how it benefits runners and then we looked into how Angel actually approaches programming for this. With that, let's get into today's show. Cool, so hi guys, welcome back to another episode. So I'm here with... um, I'm pretty sure it's Angel. I'm not Spanish. I can't speak Spanish, and my my accent Angel. is awful. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna butcher it any further than that. But um, yeah, but it's gonna be really great. We're gonna talk today a lot about sort of running, strength training, kind of the combinations of those both. Um, so first off, what would be great is if you could just give us a brief like breakdown of who you are, kind of your background, how you got into coaching, what your kind of journeys look like so far. Sure. Um, okay. So my name is Angel. I'm spending in the UK six years, so uh, I'm not expecting to any <laughs> English people to say Angel. So Angel, Angel is, is absolutely fine. Um, so I just got, I guess, like a lot of people um, to the fitness industry. So I did something completely different. So I was in sales. Uh, I started just to get a little bit fat and unshaped. And this was, I was 21 to 23 years old, more or less. It was start to getting quite fat. I remember once, like trying to catch a bus, it, it couldn't be more than 150 meters. Um, so I just sprint as hard as I could. I catch the bus, which was a good thing, but I spent like the next 20 minutes literally heavy breathing in the bus, like trying to catch my breath for a freaking 150 <laughs> meter sprint. Um, so that was first sign off. It's like, ah, maybe I should do a bit better like this. <laughs> and the second one in, in, in a space of two weeks time, um, family member and a friend, they told me, mate, you're getting quite funny. I mean, it's like, oh, okay. So that was sign number two. And I decided just to do something about it. Um, so I joined to the gym, have no clue what to do. So I guess like almost everybody to jump in the gym. Um, and I remember at some point, I was doing like running 10K and then doing my strength training straight after because I have a big gap. I have a split shift. So working in the morning, have three hours gap and then another shift. Um, so basically let's spend the, all the three hours in the gym, like 30 minutes to shower and lunch, two hours and a half in the gym, 10K, do the strength training five times a week. Guess what? I got quite fit. <laughs> um, but I was putting a lot of work and I was quite young. Um, so, but doing a lot of, a lot of stupid things all bodybuilding style. So one day, one muscle group. Um, that's how I started in fitness. So fast forward, I lost my job and I was a point like I couldn't find anything else, like same thing I was doing. Um, and I had to just decide to what to do next. And it's like, well, I'm really enjoying this fitness thing. I really like the gym. Um, so I got my personal trainer certification. Um, and yeah. Since then, seven years, eight years ago now, uh, it's what I do. So that's what I'm doing in the last eight years. 
moved to England for my wife, um, started working there as a personal trainer. Um, yeah, basically, I really love the strength and conditioning side of the fitness industry. Um, that's what I put all the effort and all my knowledge. And I ended up working with runners because I, I thought it was a big, big gap between running and strength training. Um, and I could fill that gap. So basically, that was what I've been doing in the last three years. Uh, is really focused on, on runners and building up a good program for them. That's awesome. And yeah, that's I think, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's cool to see that because I think I, I always find it really interesting to hear how people have got into the industry because it's, it's quite varied, but I think it, it sort of tends to fall along a couple of themes and that's tends to be one of them. It's like, oh, uh, I had my own personal journey at some point that led me into being interested in fitness. I then realized that actually maybe I can help other people in this um and yeah it always starts out kind of like doing like all the weird and wacky things that you see in in magazines or like yeah. from wherever on the internet or who or from whoever kind of like the guy you train with or your training partner or whoever sure and then what you, you see is easy yeah we just evolve yeah, you have there. no idea you see go to a gym and it's like what's doing these guys like uh, most of the gyms in the guy it's basically just to do i i had to remember 21 years old no clue and no money to spend in a personal training. Actually, I think it wasn't, it wasn't personal training back then in Spain. Like, it was just beginning, like, really, really, really not a thing. Um, so, yeah, you just do what you see. It's easy. Like, you see everybody just doing the chest day. You do chest day. That's it. And you do, like, eight exercises of chest. Completely beginner. Like, no really strength for doing three exercises in, <laughs> in a row good in a good way but i was doing like eight like chest flies every single angle chest press every single angle bench press uh push-ups afterwards and then kind of it was it was ridiculous but that's what it is you learn a lot from those from those times as well i think there's something to be said for that as well because like that that almost builds the foundation doesn't it i think so that's probably the, the step in terms of that just building ability to do more so it's like work capacity isn't it within the strength side of it like and that's the step a yeah. lot of people skip typically and they just go straight to the harder more intense heavier stuff and they don't have those kind of years <laughs> and maybe maybe it's not the smartest training but they don't have those years of just doing training you build a, a really a, a big foundation like you said like i was a strong i after two years after my first two days in gym um i found out crossfit so i did crossfit as well for six months ish um just right after i got my my pt stuff um and i was able to to do pretty well in crossfit with having no clue i mean again no clue like first day i, I did definitely it was in in a crossfit class and it was insane like yeah it was uh, it was something insane like hey okay this is first time have you done the deadlift before it's like nope okay cool this is how you do it happy days let's gonna ramp <laughs> see how far you can go cool perfect oh i, I remember I, I think i i must that's like 110 kilos, something like that. It's like, great. Let's go and place 90 kilos on the bar and do 50 reps for time. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, I done it. <laughs> it was fine. Um, my back wasn't too bad the two <laughs> weeks after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I was able to do a lot of cool stuff uh, on the gym. Like, oh, you, have you done this before? You're like, no, no idea. I just, I just was a meathead lifting as heavy as i could every single time i went to the gym um and that's it so i was a strong i had no clue about technique or about 
anything. Um, so it was was a, was good fun. Uh, after six months in CrossFit, again, I got my PT certification and I was like, started breathing more and seeing more. And then I just, just diverged from, from CrossFit. It's like, ah, this is not the thing I thought it would be good for me. Um, and then just move more. I was then from them more towards a strength and conditioning style. So more Olympic lifts, um, more categorized, not blended all like in a CrossFit world, we would say. So mm. yeah, that's how the style of training I, I, I took them. So yeah, that's awesome, man. So if, if like moving to like thinking about running, so thinking about it from more of a traditional sense of running as its own thing, strength training aside, um, yep. big question here, but where do we start? What's the, what do you see as a kind of like the fundamentals of, we can talk about this from a beginner. We can talk about this from kind of someone maybe that's been training within fitness generally for a while, but where's, where's the beginning? Um, yeah, it will be depends of uh, what your base are. So that's, that's where you're coming from. If you're coming from nothing, just put it to couch. Uh, stay easy. Just take a couple of times a week. Um, I, I love, I love the run walk workouts. Literally, I just love them. It's like run for a, run for one minute, thirty seconds. Walk for two, three, five minutes, depending on the people and the what the level are. But it starts super, super easy. And I like, I rather they do time instant kilometers, um, because it's it's just actually easier. I like to time one minute, thirty minutes, or cool. Now we can do fifteen minutes straight happy days and we start building up from that let's go to this whatever it is but yeah i like to, to start super 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 slow um running walk running walks i think is the best thing you can do to to start running if you want yeah no definitely i mean yeah it makes a lot of sense doesn't it doing it in that way like building up i think is so long as yeah like the beginner because at that level you just need to be doing more running and ha like obviously the the key or the kind of limitation for a lot of people is that they can't run for long periods of time. So no. doing it in that way allows you to build up lots and lots of good quality volume um, and time on your feet, which is an important aspect of it as well, doesn't it? Yeah, moving, exactly. Like you can get like maybe, I don't know, let's say 30 minutes outside and maybe you've just been running four minutes or the 30 minutes. But you've been outside 30 minutes and the four minutes are going to be really good quality. Which is something I think is is missing. Um, we can jump straight away into running like a, as a sport, and we forget that it is a sport. It's like if you won't go to start playing, I don't know, football matches straight straight away, um, and that's what people done with with uh, with running. They just jump straight. They buy a pair of shoes. Let's run five k, three k, whatever it is, three four times a week straight because they really want to get fit and and they start super hard. And no wonder why they get injured and why they get sin splints and what they get like fasting up in time. It's like you went from nothing to just going outside four, three times a week, like three, four, five K every day. It's like, hey, it's just not gonna happen. You just don't need just slow, just build up, enjoy running. And we know you have no foundation, no, no background of strength or even just maybe fitness. How that run is gonna look. Because if you just literally just just look at people run outside, the form is not the best for majority of them. Because with the pass of the time, the kilometers, the miles, the time, whatever you want to call it, 
or whatever you try. You start losing form, good form. So these small bouts of run 30, walk three, those 30 seconds are easy to focus on your form and it's, it, it gets a really good quality of, of work. So maybe the volume is really low at the beginning, but the quality is good. So you start to building up a really good foundation now. So when you start just to building up on, in time, and you do now bouts of three, four, five minutes now, that's a lot better work. They look gonna look a lot better than, than just, you tell them just to run and that's it. Back when you tired it, you stop and back home. I think it's a, I like, I think it's a really good, really good place to start. Like walk, run, walk, run, and you start just building up the time, running, start shortening the, the walks until you just can go like 15, 20 minutes, run straight. What, what, in terms of like a weekly schedule, what would that what would, what would you say that would look like? Are you having like varied runs across a of, across a week in terms of like total time, or do you tend to just stick with like a kind of set level for a four to six week period with those real beginners? Yeah, like again, it, it will depends on the background and how much they can tolerate. Uh, yeah, at least two times a week, I think is uh, is a good start point for, like you say, four six weeks. Could be good. Then start introducing maybe a third day if they can, because not everybody can. If you want them to do as well, the strength training uh, plus the running, just start to adding so things. Maybe it's not that easy. Um, but yeah, if they can add one more day of running, happy days. Two, three days, I think it's enough um, for amateur people and people who want to, to begin with. Uh, and then just add a little bit of training, strength training. One day, two days as well. It will depend on there is schedule. Yeah, no, awesome. That sounds yeah. I mean, that that's probably aligns with where I'd approach it and how I how I have approached it with a lot of my um my clients, my guys that are runners, is is that similar idea? Either with that kind of maybe that walk run, or it's just accumulating easy volume and it's high quality volume as well. So it's like if if the longest you can run before things start to get a bit kind of messy is five minutes we're going to start at five minutes and that's where we're going to start. I don't care if you could do 10 minutes, but the last five minutes of that look really crap to be honest and feel <laughs> awful. And it takes you then the rest of the week to recover from that. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, people push too hard. They push too far. And so many, so many people have come to me and said like, Oh, I've been injured. I've had shin splints doing of this course. running program. And then they, I, I sort of like, oh, okay, cool. Like let talk me through what you've been doing. And it's way too much volume. It's way too fast. And it's just like, yeah, I went and did this five days a week. I'm like, that's crazy. Like for a beginner. That's not that's <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. Um, that's the thing is like when you check out programs online, people do it with the best of the intentions. But I think most of the programs, even for beginners, is for people who has a, a wider phase of, of training. Or maybe if they are for, I don't know, teenagers, even if it's an easy or beginners. It's for teenagers with they've been running, they still running for the playground and everything. And they just get into whatever athletics and they start with that program, two, three times. So you don't see many 5K, couch to 5K programs with just two days a week and running five minutes to 20 minutes. That's not what you see outside. Most of them are going to be two, three days, almost minimum runs, 3K to 5K. And for someone who has no experience that's a hell of of work i like to think of it as kind so, of like yeah i think it's, if you take each individual step 
in running like there's a lot of forces involved there in like even running at a very relatively slow pace like walking even <laughs> there's quite a lot of forces involved in that oh, yeah, and if yeah. you then times that by uh, a typical 5k sure. run is probably anywhere from i'd say five to seven thousand steps like for most people and like if you think about it like the amount of forces yeah. and the amount of time and the amount of reps that you're accumulating is huge yeah. when you think about it from that sense it's logical that if you're doing too much and doing it like that it's going to lead to injuries i i i did that a long long time ago i have a post somewhere probably in my in my instagram um what i said is like if you go for a run like 5k and this is your average steps per minute and let's gonna go from the lower end of the of the spectrum like let's say each time your step is a time is two times or 1.5 times your body weight each step I mean, it took you to do that. Make the maths. It's a tons, tons of kilos on your joints. And now go to the gym and let's say do a squats. Five sets of squats, five reps each with 100 kilos. Just 2,500 kilos. But if you go for a run, you way do that in the first five minutes mm. in terms of impact on the, on the joints it's tough on, on the on the joint so if you're not prepared for it and most of people again starting running is because they are unshaped they are overweight or maybe just they've been doing a lot of lifting in the background and they haven't neglected their, their cardio so again it's going to be even harder for for them on the joints so just take easy guys just don't rush same thing this is gonna how long you want to do this for one year Five years, ten years, maybe till the end. I don't know. For how long do you want to do this? Take time. Yeah, exactly. Different question now. So, what would you say? Like, so thinking running more generally now, what would you say are some of like the key determinants of success? Like physical qualities. Um, what What is it that makes a successful runner? Okay, so if we go to the more um, textbook answer will be like energy um what makes better athletes or better runners it's just they, they are more efficient at energy pulmonary diffusion uh more mitochondria uh, even better activity of mitochondria the capillarity densities as well more dense than the, the regular fast so if you want to succeed in any endurance sport those are the key elements so energy pathways vo2 max uh pulmonary diffusion mitochondria and capillary density. Now, can we do that? Can we just work on the gym? So it's just gonna take time. It's just adaptations. Those are the adaptations from the from the running. So it's just gonna take you time. Um, usually, the guy who can train the most is the guy who get better adaptations, just because of that, because he can train most. So if you're smart with your training and you don't miss training sessions, being injured or getting hurt usually you ended up doing a lot more work than the guy who gets injured even if they run faster so in the long run the guy who could train the most usually the guy who who runs um best i think it's consistent isn't it yeah yeah it's because those adaptations because they do take time to to accumulate and it's an accumulate accumulative thing rather than the one-off sessions like the, the the person that can do do more for longer essentially over in terms of like course of days and weeks and months is is going to get fitter so i think it's, it's yeah it's just basically um there is a few studies on, on those comparing elite runners and, and non-elite runners 
and just the difference is it's literally when you just take anthropometrics, blah, 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 blah. It just, the only thing it changes, like they manage to get more training done. Literally, the only difference, like it's more training done. Um, and another one just as well, comparing like people who can break the marathon in under 211 or over 211. And the only other difference with those two as well, with their high, really high level. If you can run a, a marathon in a 220, you're still pretty, a pretty high level guy. Um, not the level of the 211, but still pretty high. Um, and the only difference between those guys is like the guys, the, the fastest guys, the guys who can break the, the 211 barrier, they are faster in the 10K, in the 1K to 3000. They're faster. So they can manage to just do more speed work or they can just run faster on those, on those speeds, which is something like I think is missing a lot in the, in the general pop or the, the amateur runner or the weekend warriors. They don't train enough speed. Most of them are just like low steady, just keep getting miles, but they don't train as much as speed. When you ask them, it's like, do you really do speed work? Do you really train intervals? Some of them tell you yes, when you see the program, it's like, ah, that's not really an interval. Or what I would call like a fast interval. It's like, you're missing a lot here. Um, yeah, that's my take on Yeah, no, certainly. I think when you look at that in terms of like, so it comes down to running economy and it comes down to ability to essentially the, the velocity, the speed you can hold for a certain um amount basically of your vo2 max so your aerobic capacity for for the sake of keeping it simple like and how fast you can basically run for a percentage of your vo2 max and obviously the higher that velocity is for a lower percentage the better runner you're going to be uh, and then you look at the yeah, like the real elites um and those are the guys that can run faster for essentially less energy spent and that's kind of where it comes down to at the end of the day and i suppose the speed work in that sense allows you to so it's kind of I, I look at it like floor and ceiling so the floor is your kind of your basic aerobic capacity so this is like just ability to aerobically produce energy your ceiling is the is your kind of vo2 max it's the upper end it's your anaerobic threshold it's all of these elements here and if you're only ever raising your floor your ceiling doesn't go anywhere so you kind of still have an upper limit and obviously if you can raise both of those sort of simultaneously that's that's adding so much more to your running and this this top end the ceiling the fast stuff is probably where most people are and when we're talking about this in fast stuff it's quality work it's not just like oh i went and ran as fast as i could because that doesn't that doesn't account to it you just drop off massively and it's not that quality work that's getting accrued no no it needs to be like quite controlled like um when you start to if you do your intervals and you find like you have to do extra work to maintain the pace that's way faster than you should go so um should be hard but not as hard so if you find like yourself like fighting really hard to maintain the pace this is probably a faster pace than than you should be doing because again just you're gonna just start to messing up with the mechanics of the of the running you're gonna start just to agitating a lot more it's just not not natural if you start losing like being natural and just being running relax if you find yourself running uh intention uh, it's probably not a good idea hmm. what would you say some of the differences then so look more from a performance standpoint in terms of like distances racing that kind of thing like 
what's some of the key differences between something like a 5k and then something like a marathon for example uh, and that's a big question not, obviously but like it is, it is a big question um we could dig a little bit deeper into uh basically how much is the aerobic capacity in, in running a marathon 10k 5k so that's basically the, it's going to be the the, the major mm. um difference so um if you go for in a marathon it's around 95 to 99 98% of of the energy is going to come from the aerobic um pathway within a 5k it's around 85 ish so but that's the main that's the main gonna be the main difference so if you're training for a for a 5k even if it's still like 85 percent is gonna come from the aerobic um pathway you're gonna need to train a little bit more the anaerobic um part or the anaerobic side of of the of the race because again it's just a faster it's just a faster uh race um with usually the finishers are a lot of a tighter so people just need to sprint towards the end. So that's in, again increase for the, the aerobic. So then aerobic. Um in a marathon is a little bit less. So if you are more a marathon, you need to be worried a little bit more of building up the aerobic base. Uh because again the anaerobic is not much of a difference. Like again, that's the major difference between a 5k and a marathon runner. And that's what it has to be reflected on the on the training. So the percentage of anaerobic work it has to be a little bit higher on the on the lower ends of the races middle distance mm, no certainly i mean yeah that's probably as i said the key difference there is the is the difference in aerobic contribution towards the entire thing isn't it so you say like it's obviously the slower you go the more sustainable that is in terms of pacing and so then the more aerobic that is essentially and obviously then the faster you get and i mean even really 5k so you're looking at fast 5k runners is probably anything 20 minus really in terms of timing like yeah and obviously very much below that for some for some individuals like even then there's still a large amount of aerobic work going on but percentage oh, wise yeah. compared to a marathon not even close i mean you're not really truly working majority anaerobic probably until you get close to like 1k and below in in reality like that that's kind of yeah. like anything above that is is then we're going to come a majority aerobic effort but obviously the closer you get to those those shorter distances like the more of an anaerobic contribution that in this context just means unsustainable faster work really it's kind of the difference yeah. between low and high intensity um which is, is is a simplified way of looking at it but it for the the intent of this like it's essentially the difference between higher and lower intensity work aerobic is lower yeah. anaerobic is higher intensity work yep pretty much so basically an, an, a marathon runner will need to do more like yeah a lower intensity exercise that's why just like we see like all these guys like oh the most of they do is like this lower steady running yeah they're still doing some fast pace and some intervals but the most of their kilometers are in the low pace um right in the marathon runners because again, that's what they, they need. Just to improve what we've been saying at the beginning, like the capillarity, mitochondria, VO2 max, blah, 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 blah. So they need just to build up those things. And that just happens when you're in the in the lower end of the intensity. Yeah, no, certainly. 
And I mean, even even for those that are doing the faster races, the, the shorter distances, like that aerobic capacity is still really important because oh yeah, that's a large amount of, obviously it's still a, a good chunk in terms of like the amount that's being put towards that effort, but also in terms of like recovery as well. So like, especially when you're maybe not within a single race, but certainly between sessions, after sessions, yeah all that kind of element, like the recovery is so heavily driven by aerobic um, pathways, aerobic energy. Um, yeah. And yeah, if you have a, an inefficient aerobic system, A, it's going to damage your performance within that actual race, but also before, during, after, like it, it's going to have Im- implications then as well, especially then when we start to think about including strength training into the mix yeah. and it being beyond just running within its sort of, within its own separate entity like when we start to include any other elements of training within that be it strength power speed whatever like the aerobic side becomes really important as well oh yeah and we can even see the, the flip the coin and, and see even the strength training is like if you do strength training if you don't do any cardio maybe you should start thinking on just doing some some basic work because again as you well said is going to improve your recovery between sessions. Even though whatever you're doing now is strength training or CrossFit, call it, having a wider, bigger base of uh, aerobic capacity is going to improve your your uh, recovery in a, in a aerobic base, and not in a in an aerobic. So, in terms of like outside of running as a sport, so in sport in general with athletes, like it's it tends to be the the more aerobically or the athlete with a higher aerobic capacity that tends to perform best because they're the ones that are able to recover better during games, during performance and perform at higher intensity when it's necessary as well. So now thinking about strength training, like for running. So obviously we've talked about running on its own. Like what do you see are like the most important elements within, within that? So talking strength training specifically for running, what, what do you see are the most important elements? Well, basically, uh, I will say the like, most important thing of strength training, I will say, like, not getting hurt while running. What I mean, just to just building up a more resilient tissue. Um, I know a lot of a lot of colleagues and a lot of books will say, like, yeah, improve um, muscle coordination. Improve. Yeah, all those things are really cool, and they and it happen when you do strength training. But the main thing, it can help you a lot to stay out of injuries. Just building up the small the small muscles, calf muscles, adductors. You don't see many people like training adductors and tibialis muscle, for example. Um, so training those things, so just getting in a program where you train them, like isolated, it helps when you're doing like your regular runs, just to have that again just being more resilient to 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 injuries and just mm-hmm. is going to able just to again run a little bit more and etc it's everything just the strength training has to be designed to allow you to run more um at least is how you, how i program it so i love strength training again my background is in the strength training i'm crazy for weights mm-hmm. but at the end of the day if it's for running you just have to it just have to be for runners. So it has to allow you to train more. That's where 
that's what I would say. So I like to just do, for example, how I plan my sessions most of the times. Yeah. It's like something a little bit heavier, whatever the exercise is. Mainly it's going to be more posterior chain. So if I have to pick a heavy exercise, it's going to be any sort of deadlift variation uh, for most of the most of the times. Um, and then like building up the small groups in a in a circuit style. Um, just four or five exercises and just running kind of in a in a circuit again small muscles more isolated um and basically that's it don't need to do much much more yeah i think that's really important because when you think about strength training i think it can get really over complicated really quickly uh, and especially yeah. when we look at it from a sense of we're not doing it to get for the, the purpose of strength training we're doing it to be a better runner and to be less likely to get injured as a runner um and i think yeah then then we don't need the kind of the huge maybe 10 exercise sessions like we you can you can do the kind of the essentials if you like and get the benefits from that yeah exactly so it's um always say we want to do strength training to improve our muscle coordination um being easier just to get a, or get a bigger uh, muscle fiber pool so you can activate those fast twitch um muscle fibers mm. Uh, get general coordination again in protein more power per kilo to get those things like with a you don't need much when you're coming from a, a endurance at a sport you can get that pretty quick, quick quickly with one good exercise um and that's it and then you do the other ones again just to build up the, the muscle endurance let's call it or just make it more resilient for injury for injuries where would you Sorry, where would you see no, fine, the difference between, say, something like a bilateral exercise and unilateral? So something like a, a deadlift, for example, versus mm -hmm. a single leg deadlift or single leg squat or something like that. Where would you see those fitting within the program? Well, I love them. Um, I, most of my programming is going to be like actually this unilateral. So um, I quit squatting. Or getting people to squat let's say like i do all all not all because some people know but 90 percent of uh, of my programming is going to be unilateral for the knee dominant movements so barely squats most of them is going to be any sort of variation of the splits um and i like the the bilateral for uh, for the pulling for the pulling exercises let's say like mm. deflates and etc even though I do some single leg exercises for like single leg deflates or Romanian deflates, stuff like that. But I do it more of um, coordination than or core than actual strength. If I want just to work like going heavy, going strength training uh, or give them like a really, really big push uh, in terms of um, stretch muscles or coordination, blah, 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 blah. I will go for a for a bilateral um, split, a bilateral deflate of the variation. Could be good morning. Could be Romanian deflates, deep leg deflates, trap bar deflates. Most of them are going to come from that. In terms of heavy, heavy stuff, mm. um, knee dominant are going to be almost exclusive in 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 a unilateral fashion. So what, same thing: rear foot elevated splits, lunges. Um, all that kind of stuff. 
yeah no that makes a lot of sense doesn't it? i mean when you think about it like you're looking for that that force development but then the single leg stuff also allows you to build not only just that strength but the i suppose call it stability call it whatever you want but it's that ability to control a single limb which is so important when you then think about a sport or or running where you spend all of the time on a single limb in one, in one side yeah <laughs> So it's, it's yeah, exactly. quite important. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I like just to build up the, the, the let's gonna call it the raw strength um, with the bilateral. And I like to build up with the, with the posterior muscles, with glutes, hamstrings, calves, because in running is where the power is gonna come from. And just leave the unilaterals for working quads, some more stability. Um, of the joints again ankle knee hip which is it's massive yeah which i think if you if you think about it like the 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 muscles around your hip your posterior chain as you said they're the ones that they add the the power to that movement because they're the ones that that facilitate hip extension which is such a huge part then of the kind of the final push off if you like from each Mm -hmm. step whereas obviously your your knee the muscles around your knee especially working kind of eccentrically. So lengthening like on contact with the floor, yeah. like initial contact. They're the ones that tend yeah, to exactly. be controlling so that. One is the produced power. The other ones, let's kind of call it just control. It just keeps everything in place. Mm. So where do you see the importance then of like upper body training for, for running specifically? Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good um, question. Because if it's just, running specific, we're talking more like more competitive runners. I won't do much stuff on, I don't do much stuff on the on the upper body. To be honest, if they can dominate um, the body weight, there is more than enough. So if they can do pull-ups, they can do dips, they can do push-ups, deficit push-ups, and, and rows, invert rows, rings, TRAs, whatever you want to use. Um, uh, to be honest, I think it's, it's enough for a for a runner, fly uh, push ups, maybe some metal throws, something like that. You want just to give the power on the upper body, but I don't see the need of getting um, really strong on the upper body. It's not going to be very beneficial. And and the longer you run, so more towards marathon, the less important it's going to be the upper body. On the short races, yeah, definitely it's important. They're part of the power, but yeah. I, I won't give much of a credit of the upper body training for, for running a specific. Now, tell me you're an amateur runner or just weekend warrior, then yes, you need to just to get stronger on your upper body because you know what? After that, you maybe you have kids and you want to play with them. You have to pick up stuff. You want to be healthy and strong on your daily basis. So then yes, for your life, definitely I will train uh, upper body general movements, basic stuff. Um, for a competitive runner, I won't do much with the upper body. The linear, we can stay. Um, the better I will focus most of my attention on the on the lower body. Mm. Makes sense, doesn't it, really? I think, yeah, you say, like, the, the maybe the shorter or the faster you're running, the probably the more it plays a role in terms of producing force, so power, but also in terms of, like, resisting all of the rotation that's going on. But then obviously the slower that gets, the less that comes in. And then it becomes just excess weight, essentially. 
like you look at a lot of the kind of like elite triathletes or, or elite kind of like runners who are doing kind of long distances and they don't tend to carry a huge amount of upper body mass because it's no. power to weight ratio at the end of the day like the the more mass you have the more powerful you have to be and to then maintain a similar effort so obviously the 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 less unnecessary mass essentially you can carry the better yeah so it's like it's like these guys are like um rally cars like you just literally take out everything you can like mm. you just left the just the wheel the, the the seats and that's it and <laughs> and the pedals you don't need any extra on the car because again it's just gonna make you slower so if you're a competitive runner definitely um you're gonna need just to be um slim if you're just weak and worried you just do like running um and you're more in an amateur spectrum uh i will definitely encourage you to do more upper body strength as well because again we we just gonna just get old um at some point of life we will need that muscle so mm. what does what does so this is probably goal dependent but like the weekly structure so generally what would you use what would you kind of lean towards in terms of like a weekly structure and this is more looking at like terms of like fitting strength and running training kind of together like finding that balance yeah um will depends it's just when you unless you work with a elite athlete where they can put or work around this the life schedule to their training you just need to adjust to the the, the person so not everybody has the same time um some people has a very little time so in ideally situation um I'm, I'm, for example, a, a person who can work pretty well with two sessions per day, um, but having a full day recovery. So if I can choose, I will do two sessions, one day, rest, two sessions, rest, two sessions, rest. And I do a lot better that way than if I train every single day, even shorter, or just single sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I recover and how I can work with uh, not everybody's the same. Some people that get really, really fatigued and the sessions make a massive impact between them. So they will need longer rest. But yeah, you want to uh, you want to alternate um, strength training with uh, with the endurance um, and just trying to lean more towards the, the endurance because at the end of the day, this is a running side. So if you can do just strength training, run afterwards, even better, just again. Um, the body tends to take the, the adaptations more from um, running or basically endurance than the strength training. So this time of mTOR and blah, 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 which we get to like really, really deep in, in, in terms of physiology. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically the strength, the, the endurance training, it will almost quote unquote kill the gains or the muscle gains of the... <laughs> Of the strength training. Um, so if you're someone who is worried about those things, yeah, you want to do maybe do the strength training just to get the muscles there, but then you will do your running, your running uh, after. Uh, if you're more in the other side, like you need to build up some muscle, then I would just make sure like the, the, the strength training has their own, their own space and the, you have actually quite long time between that session and the, and the next endurance. Uh, training session because again you may need that that muscle 
you're right, there's people like they are actually like really lean and they don't have any muscle with them. So they need to build up some some tissue. So for those people, yeah, you're gonna need just to get the, the strength training their time. So maybe you do your running, then you do just strength training, and then you have the next 48 hours or the next 24 hours rest. Because again, that's where the, the all the muscle adaptations are gonna occur. Do any any endurance exercise ish, it will almost kill the most of the adapt strain adaptations. Um so it's it's really, really individual. I would love just to give a more specific answer, but, <laughs> but yeah, it yeah, will no, depend on what your needs are. Your life is scheduled, yeah. Yeah, like I suppose you, you, you have to be dictated to by I say like the the person in front of you, like their schedule, their training age, so how long they've been training for, what they can actually adapt to, because at the end of the day, like there's no yeah. point pushing someone past a certain point because you're not going to, it's diminishing returns at that point. You're not getting any extra benefit from doing more with, with someone yeah, no, who can't adapt to that and can't recover from it. No, sure. No, you want to do just the, the, the minimum you need just to, to improve. That's it. You don't want to go to the, to the high part of the spectrum. You want to do the, the list to get the adaptations because hmm. that means you can, you have a bigger room later on to improve. But when you're doing just the top end, Ah, there is going to be a point like this really difficult just to improve because you're actually just doing a lot more than, than you could at some point. So just do the very least um, that gets you adaptations and it keeps you moving forward. And once you stop of getting faster or just getting leaner or whatever you, your goal is, just do something else or get done one more training session or just increase whatever the time. I don't know, whatever you're doing. But yeah. Just do the very least. If you're getting adaptations with 20 kilometers a week, just just do 20, don't do 30. And, and that's it. And you when you stop progressing, then yeah, build up again to 30. And you will and progress good, again. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it, to make, is that I think people are too quick to, to increase things, like go further, do more, go faster, <laughs> when they're still making improvements at whatever they are doing. Like if you're say if you're doing 20 kilometers a week and you're still improving like don't don't increase it keep going until you stop improving and then change something because that's going to allow those kind of adaptations to really bed themselves in and and be much more kind of um advantageous to you i think over long term yeah yeah definitely definitely so the the very least you can adapt that's it if you're getting still getting adaptations do the less work Everybody has a busy life. Everybody has things to do. If you can get other things, just training three times a week, three hours a week, don't go for five. Just, just keep with three. That's it. Give the other two hours for something else. I'm pretty sure you will find something to do in this life with almost nobody has extra time for their hobbies or their whatever they like to do. So just don't don't waste that training time. And I suppose the benefit of that as well is that then when you get to a point where you 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 then potentially need to increase things to still be getting adaptations, like you have room to do that. Like you don't, you haven't kind of like put yourself out of, like put yourself out there a little bit in terms of like, oh, well, I've, I've got no, I've got no, nothing else I can add because <laughs> I've, I've yeah, kind of not left myself any space to improve upon. I think that happens a lot in, in the, in the diet world like people just got nuts from having a regular diet to all the sudden go from a thousand calories or less calories a, 
per day. It's just it's crazy. So now what you're gonna pull off? Just when you start just to plateau, what you're gonna pull off? You're already eating 900 calories. It's like, are you gonna stop eating at all? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, with, yeah. with running happens the same like a lot of people like go too far too fast um and then they don't have the time or the or the physically adaptations to just to, to increase their volume mm. where do you so in terms of like a strength program for running like take the kind of real strength exercises out of that things like plyometrics things like isometrics where did where do you see those fitting in? Um, I do I do think you need to do plyometrics before every session, and and even in, including the, the, the straight the um, running session. So we'll spend the first few minutes after my my whatever warm up you do, like lower steady run. Uh, I will do some plyometrics there. It doesn't need to be too crazy, like even just some a skips like making like a little bit more exaggerated or some strides something like that or a few jumps even if you just three sets of pogos will be fine like just low doses more often i think it works a lot better with uh with plyometrics um again it doesn't need just to be crazy like a few sets of one leg jumps maybe let's say 10 jumps per leg and then three sets of six to ten pogos, whatever you can maintain um, the quality of. That's it. So you don't need that much of a volume, but you have to keep it rolling like as often as possible, um, just to induce those tendon adaptations. Um, so yeah, before every session, I do some some sort of plyometrics. I overcomplicated maybe at the beginning, and I wanted to just to run too quick to too or too crazy just try i guess it's trying trying things out um with um resisted jumps or assisted jumps or dead post jumps you know what just make it simple just just few jumps bodyweight jumps one leg two legs forward for high done so don't overcomplicate it uh i know it's fancy and maybe it looks like pretty cool but at the end of the day, I don't think you will get much from then, like just from overcomplicated and just doing very, very simple. I don't think you will go much further. Um, and in terms of uh, isometrics, I love isometrics. Uh, and I actually do long duration isometrics, body weight style. I think this. Uh, it's something like it's missing in a lot of programs. Mm, uh, yeah. I will say myself, even before the, the lockdown, I, I thanks the lockdown for mm. all the bodyweight training. Like you have to just to get creative for your own training. Like I had no equipment. I have to get people or my, some of my clients online, they had no equipment and I have to keep them fit just with uh, three square meters and no equipment. Mm. So, um, I think that's when I was reading more about isometrics and everything. And I did that pretty cool experiment. Uh, you know the tap test, Kiran? The what, sorry? When you tap tap test? No, I've not heard basically of it. Basically, just um, cool. Basically, it's, um, you can just download on, the, on any phone, basically. And it's um, in 10 seconds how many times you can tap 
during screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I have heard of this one, yeah. Yeah, cool, perfect. So um, basically what that, that test is telling you is how fast or how easy you can recruit um, the muscle. So basically how far your, your brain can, can um, send the signal to do whatever muscle thing. In this case, just tap with the finger. Um, so I did, uh, I'm gonna tell you the exact data because it's pretty cool. I did it before starting my isometric, long isometric, which basically is just holding a split squat for as long as I could. One set with one with each leg. Mm. Um, yeah, so basically when I started doing this, I got uh, um, my average was 50, 50, 56 taps in 10 seconds. Um, by the end of the, of the 30, 30 days test, I, I pick at, I pick at 65. Mm. So I improve just by doing that, nothing else. I improve my, um, brain or the ability of my brain to send signals to the muscles. And I think just because of the, of the isometric, literally, I, I haven't changed anything else. So just by doing the, the isometrics, now I'm able, my brain is able to, to actually shoot um, more inputs to the muscle, mm. which basically is activating brain, um, muscle activated. When you're doing like long iso, iso, uh, iso holds, basically fatiguing the, the muscles. You're gonna start fatiguing first the fast switch muscle, then the slow will kick in, they will fatigue, they will back again the fast muscle basically until you just exhaust all the muscle fibers on your legs and you will collapse. Yeah. So it takes your brain actually just to keep pumping signals and it, it keeps all the muscle on the, on the whatever limb is or whatever you're using active and and working which is uh, i think is huge for for any sport but for running when you have just to keep keep pushing and keeps going um over and over and over and over and again for who knows how many minutes i think it's huge just to have that ability of recruit uh more muscle and just keep the muscle just switching on and off um and i think that for the for the isometric so the long isometric i think is, is huge that's something i i have done for the last year um with a lot of success just myself and my clients is that is that just like the um, split or what other kind of variations of isometrics have you been using um most of the time most just that split i i do that as a split um like kind of a pressure split so the knee the red knee is going to be really close to the floor um and you have to do it with intention so basically the red leg it's gonna to try to move forward. So you're gonna activate your hip flexor as well. So it's not just getting in a split position and relaxed. Um, so you're gonna create like, make it like a scissor movement with your legs where the red leg is gonna to try to move forward and the front leg is gonna to try to go backwards. It's basically so by doing to pull that, both of your heels towards each other or towards like your like, exactly, the middle essentially. Ex exactly, yeah, exactly. So, um, and by doing that, you get a massive, massive, massive activation. Um, independent the red leg is going to be on the hip flexor uh and as well it's a really really good place as well to find uh weaknesses because a lot of people will tell you it's like oh man it's like my hip flexor is like hurts like hell or like well i have to stop because my legs were fine but the hip flexor 
was like crazy. It's like, cool, you have a weak hip flexors. Now we have something to work on. Mm. Or again, the opposite, like, oh, my hamstring was like, or oh, my, my quadriceps were cramping. It's like, cool. It, all those things actually, it gives you cues with muscles need to prioritize um, the training for the next following weeks. Uh, and you can actually adjust that. If you're doing that quite often, you're going to find, and if you work with a, with a afterwards, isolating that, that muscle, let's say it's the hip flexor and you start doing, working on your hip flexor, you're going to find like when you keep doing the, the, the isometrics, some other muscle now is going gonna, is gonna to lag behind. So now your hip flexor is okay, but now maybe your glute gets cramping or just gets really, really fired up. Cool. That's going to work on your glutes. So actually it's a really, really good tool to see what you need to work next. It's like a powerful diagnostic uh, tool, isn't it? As well as, as, well as yeah. being something to use for, for sort of improving performance. It's there yes. to like act as, it, it shows you your weaknesses as well very, very nicely. Yeah, exactly. So nice, really easy, no, no need equipment. Um, I love it. Cool. So we had some um, questions from a few people on Instagram uh, that would be cool to work work through and talk about. Like, there's some interesting questions there. Um, sure. So first one, uh, and this is this is quite kind of a broad question, but running drills and form to focus on when running. Like, what are some of the? So I think this is specifically like when someone is running. What are some drills or some sort of things to focus on in terms of like running technique or running form? that you find have been are, are, are quite helpful? Okay. Um, because of my background is not in, in athletics and not, I'm a strength coach. I don't like to, to get too, too deep on those things because, again, it's, it's not my field. Pretty sure a lot of people like your running coach, it will be a lot better just to, to answer those things. But I don't think the drills will help you that much. At least the basic, like, like the ABC drills, like everybody sees this, uh, while running long distances or for sports. Uh, I think they could be really, really helpful and just dial in that straight line um, technique for track. Mm. But I, I don't think out of the track, those drills have uh, much carryover being honest with you. Um, and I heard as well some other coaches saying the same things, like, ah, I think they are just really overdo it because if you think like the beginning of the strength training or the strength and conditioning, it were like, well, athletics or Olympic lifting back in the 60s. So I think a lot of things of we do today, we see today is brought back then because of the two guys would be, or the two fields were actually just doing the strength training for everyone was coming from athletics or were coming from Olympic lifting. That's why as well, a lot of people lift in now in the strength and conditioning world and not so other options of, of power development. Um, and I think it happened the same with the, with the, with the drills. Like I think the people drilling a lot and if they are not in, in track, I don't think they will have much, much carryover. But what I will say is just do some, really quality good work before like strides or just uh, accelerations cadence work uh, drills as well can be one of those so trying to just one like you get a timer for 30 seconds and count how many how many steps you have done in 30 seconds 
-hmm. and just trying to improve it in the next three. So you do four in total. The first one is your test. And on the next three, you try to improve the, the steps. Um, you have done in those 30 seconds. So it will teach you just to basically improve your cadence um, and your ability just to, to move your foot quick. Um, and the other ones will be the strides, which basically is an, an acceleration. You get like same thing between 20 to 30 seconds um, running as a, let's say 50%, and you build up all the way to near max um, sprint. So I think those, those two things I uh, will have uh, a bigger correlation than a, a regular drills, let's say for for a for a running or improving form. Yeah, I think so much of it's in like this is really around economy, isn't it? So it's economy of movement, like efficiency of movement, and yeah. your body adapts to whatever your running style is. So as long as you're running kind of in a relaxed um, manner, you're not having to like really push yourself really hard to maintain form. Like it's not starting to break yeah. down too much. I think however you run is however you run. Like, yeah, there's maybe some some really kind of like big things that might be wrong, but for the most part, I think it's it's a very individual thing. I think the problem is um the body wants to do the best thing or the the most efficient thing with what it has. But if you have a weak hamstrings and a, or really tight hip flexor, you can do all the drills you want. As soon as those muscles get fatigued, your form is gonna just drop because the muscle is not strong enough to hold it. Or if this again, your hip flexor is really, really tight, it's not gonna allow you to get a, a good kickback. Or if it's not strong enough, you're gonna have a good pop forward when you when you do the the, the stride. So I think it's just having a, a really good program behind the running, like in terms of flexibility, mobility, strength is gonna help you more in terms of having a better technique than actually doing drills. Because again, once those muscles get fatigued or if they don't have the ability to, to do what you are asking them, it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, I think at base level, if you wanna like improve your form running, like more running and strength training, probably account for quite a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I would say that. So next question, and this is, this is an interesting one. So full squats versus quarter squats for running, like which do you see being the most beneficial? And we can look uh, at this in terms of like more track stuff. So faster sprinting yeah. versus endurance, which is kind of the longer stuff. Okay, why not both? So we could do uh, band or chains uh, full squat. So you get the benefits from the balls down um, squat as to grass squat, but you will have the, the overload at the top of the movement. So I think uh, you need you need um, both. And if I have to choose one, I will choose um, a full range of motion because again, you need it for the, and running itself is already like a partial movement. Uh, I think in order to stay healthy and keep the muscles and the tendons length, um, you need just to get full movements. Um, uh, and you have to choose one, I will choose that uh, full full way. But again, you can get both, like just get a, a chains, get bands, and you can still doing deep squat and just getting a, a really, really tough top bottom. So you will just learn to accelerate and just to produce power on the on that final centimeters of the movement. 
I think yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. Like if, like if you could include both in the program, like go for it. Like, but I think yeah, if you had only one option or if you wanted to kind of like choose a better one, I think the full squat probably provides more overall benefit. And as you said, like so much of S and C is about staying healthy, and if all you ever do is running or limited range of motion movements, like you're never taking joints through their full range of motion, so doing something where you are is probably beneficial to, to staying healthy. Cool. I just say like the end of the day is like all this trend training just to stay healthy. But like the healthier the runner or the healthier athlete, it's just going to just be the, the one like it gets the, the most, the most done. Okay. It's right. You can apply this to absolutely any field like football, rugby, anything. The guy who is, is injured is not playing games. He's, he's missing a, a He's literally missing training sessions. He's missing opportunities to learn, uh, opportunities to develop. Um, and you see that with a lot of young guys. Like, they look, like, amazing. And they have a, oh, this guy is going to be, he's going to be. Then he has a bad knee injury. He has to stay out for six, eight months. And the guy, when he back, he's not even the same. He's, he missed a massive part of his development. When, he's, when we're talking about John, John uh, players, so with running, it's just the same thing. Like you get hurt, or you just even if you don't get, and that's even worse. Maybe when you're not broken, but you can keep running, but you're not doing well. You have always some niggling, some pains there here and there, which limits you. But you can still do it. I think that's the worst because you stay in that almost in that level forever. Because you can do what you like to do, you can still do it, but you're limited because of the pain. So you never get any better, but you don't get any worse either because you can, it's like a really, really bad place to be. Because um, you're broken, you're broken. That's it. You just need to rest. You will focus on recovery and, and that's it. But yeah, yeah. Certainly. stay healthy and that's the best. Cool. So the next question. So this kind of, I feel like this could this could fit in quite nicely with that what we just talked about but leg hypertrophy for running and specifically i think the question was around kind of are big quads necessary no no definitely not um <laughs> no 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 i will i would love to say yes because i i love big quads uh <laughs> but but no it's uh if again we're back again if it's for competitive um runners no um and you, if not, I mean, Kipchoge will have like massive quads. No, it's not the case. <laughs> none of the top, yeah, it's like none of the top performers have big, big legs. I mean, you can see that again. The, the, the shorter the race, the bigger it seems to look. Like a 5K guys usually look a lot more muscular or legs look a little bit more muscular than the, the marathon guys. But mm. again, they never get like massive 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 legs um i think if you think about it it's like there's not like a direct so like it's not like to get stronger you have to be have bigger muscles but there is a link there no. somewhere like generally at a certain level like to generate more power to be to be stronger you kind of you need probably more muscle at a certain level yeah. so that makes sense doesn't it really and that like the, the then the, the more explosive the faster the race or distance like maybe the yeah. more of that is necessary but I, I'd imagine you could find probably people in either side of that spectrum that have bigger or smaller legs and probably are equally as good in terms of as oh, yeah. runners. Yeah, like you said, at the end of the day, it's, just, uh, it's power. How much power you can put per kilo. Mm. Um, some people are more efficient and maybe let's call it elastic. 
uh, efficiency and they could put more, more power with less muscle. Some others like me, it's, it's, I'm not a plyometric guy, I'm quite more strength. So if any of you guys has any idea about training, my dead jump and my uh, contact movement jumps are almost the same. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's how bad it is. It's like, I'm just pure strength. Um, <laughs> Which which is good because it means like I have a massive room to to grow. Yeah, so yeah. If I just improve a lot in you my plyometrics, all of the all of the uh, plyometrics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if I if I just focus on plyometrics for the next month, um, I will improve a lot in my my counter movement um, jumps. But again, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, power. Mm-hmm. Every sport is about power. How much power you can put per kilo, it will depends of leverage body weight, muscle compositions, blah, 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 blah. So but yeah, you don't need definitely big, big legs for running. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I'd agree fully with that. Like it's, it's just one of those things that you don't, you don't need really. Like <laughs> you probably, you need strong muscles definitely, but you don't need big muscles necessarily to, to be, be. Nah. Uh, no, it's just, no, it's just, and it's just something like probably like people confuse. Um, it's not just like being, is strong with big big so you can and you can see those in a in a powerlifting world so you see just any powerlifting competition being females or males just go and look at the 56 and the 62 kilos uh, mm. categories those some of those guys are skinny as hell and they're squatting 200 kilos like yeah it moves some weight <laughs> 60 kilos guys 200 kilos plus yeah it's mad that's a hell of weight yeah that's mad and this is a guy who he has literally has the half of my leg and a third of my torso. So it's not the same like being big and big is strong. It's, it's completely different things. And I think a lot of people with uh, with the strength training and running, they, they get confused. Uh, or the strength training, they thought they're going to they're gonna get big and muscular, which is, is not the case. You, you will get strong. You're going to get too muscular. If you're running... You, you cannot get too muscular hmm. so yeah last last question i think this is this is similar idea but uh and this is from a mutual friend of ours so when will your pecs be as big as ashes and i think the uh the hashtag <laughs> along with that pecs like ash i think it was the uh pec like ash <laughs> um she says friend of us uh <laughs> hi ash uh, basically <laughs> yeah. ash has a really big pecs yeah, so yeah, crazy big pecs. Just mad. And he, <laughs> yeah, and he, he, he doesn't even bench press or, or do any press squats. So I guess you CrossFit. Maybe. You don't, you don't bench press in CrossFit. That's like against the law. Yeah, exactly. Right? He does like, CrossFit. He could have the rules. He could get, yeah, he could get like cool shoulders and cool legs, but not cool chest by doing CrossFit. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, he does. So I just made myself a teacher who was like training hard to get back like Ash. <laughs> um it was a pretty cool t-shirt uh <laughs> yeah uh, one day and not now because i'm running i'm running a lot and i'm not doing much upper body stuff <laughs> but i promise one day i will get back again my 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 pecs yeah uh, <laughs> and i compare i will compare with with ash yeah awesome <laughs> so yeah last last bit then before we we sort of close up like where where can people find you if you if you want to be found like where can they look look out for you to talk about some of this stuff or even sort of look into like your some of the coaching you offer yeah so the easiest way is instagram 
uh, the running camp. Um, that's it. Basically, I don't use any other social media. Um, I'm really lazy uh, with <laughs> social media and all this stuff. I try to post stuff like weekly, like once, twice a week. Uh, I do answer. That's that's something I do, but I don't I don't get too much too much content on it because again I'm 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 a lazy guy. Uh, I'm not I'm I'm not one of the millennials who loves just the the phone. So <laughs> <laughs> I cool. I just someone asked me yesterday it's like oh man you should do you should do uh, one of those let's go um, TikTok channels and like he's a lot of fitness in the TikTok <laughs> and a lot of people there is like ah I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do a reel once and mm. it took me ages. It's like, eh, this shit is not for me. <laughs> I don't have the time for this. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, yeah. I struggle with that kind of some of that stuff as well. I feel like I try to be active, but I'm like, oh, I just, I don't, I'm not good at this. <laughs> cool. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's all. If you have anything, yeah, I'll just, get that link down to find me there. Well, if anybody wants to reach out to you and, and find out a little bit more about what you do um and what yeah, you can, sounds good. can offer uh but yeah thanks for thanks for making some time to jump on and uh talk through this it's been great no man thanks for uh thanks for the call it's great i have to do this often yeah man okay guys that's it for another episode thanks for listening check below for all the relevant links and notes from today's episode or search for us on social media at apex delta coaching one quick thing before you go if you're a recreational athlete or fitness enthusiast who wants to get stronger and run longer, then check out the free seven-day hybrid training blueprint we've put together by following the link down in the show notes or search for Instagram. It's an ebook designed to help you put together the ultimate weekly training template to crush your hybrid training goals by getting stronger and running longer at the same time without any confusion. Lastly, if you enjoyed the podcast, please do review or let us know personally. Any and all feedback is greatly appreciated and it helps to grow the podcast further. Thanks for listening, keep training and talk soon.